Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, dear family. How are you doing? I pray that you are well, always, always, always. Um, And if you say, how could I be well? Look what's going on in the world. Um, I give you the little example I've given you before of the uh, young student who won the prize for drawing peace. Um, There was a contest, an art contest. I know I've I've told you this before, but it's a good reminder. And the one who would win the prize is the one who could draw the scene with the most peace. And so the students drew beautiful, um, uh, peaceful, gorgeous landscapes and with still waters and just gorgeous uh, streams and, and mountains and everything beautiful. And the one that won the prize drew a picture of a beach uh, with a black sky and an absolute raging storm and the waves smashing against the beach. But on the beach was a large rock and the waves were smashing against it also. And in the rock was a cleft and it went pretty deep into the rock. And in the cleft of the rock was a little robin going tweet, 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 right in the midst of the storm. And that's what peace is. Peace in the midst of the storm. The storm around us should not affect our peace. Our peace is in Christ. And if we are in him, all is well. He is on his throne. He never leaves. He never will. He's building his church despite what it looks like. And we need to be soldiers of Christ and fight, resist every single evil, resist every single um, pronouncement of what is against the faith, no matter who speaks it, and um, and stay in the hearts of our Lord and Blessed Mother. Stay in the cleft of the rock. He is the rock. Um, it's been a while since we have um, read from uh, This is the Faith by uh, Canon Ripley, and we, when we laughed, uh, when we left off, we were at faith defined and explained, and the definition that Canon Ripley gives is faith is a supernatural gift of God by which one chooses reasonably to believe most firmly all that God has revealed, because God must know the truth and is incapable of telling a lie. <clears throat> I won't repeat all this, even though it's been a while. Um, He goes on to break the statement down and say, faith is a supernatural gift. Number one, it's of God. It is by which one chooses reasonably to believe most firmly all, A-L-L, all that God has revealed because God must know the truth and is incapable of telling a lie. Are there things that God cannot do? Oh, yes, he cannot tell a lie. He cannot sin. 
There are things he cannot do. And right now, um, so let me just say that if you uh, are Catholic, if you believe you're a Catholic, and you disagree with one infallible teaching of the church, just one, no matter what it is, you are not Catholic. Because our basis for believing is that God established his church, which he said he would lead into all truth until the end of time, and that the gates of hell won't prevail against it. No matter what circumstances look look like, God is God, never ever leaves his throne. And so um, we were up to the point in that definition um, where one chooses reasonably, point five, to believe. And he goes on to say not to think or suppose or even agree to because the truth is fully understood and demonstrated. But to assent fully to a truth on the word of another, that is, on the word of God. The telescope is sometimes used as an example of the function of faith. As in the natural order, a powerful telescope will enable us to see heavenly bodies otherwise invisible to the human eye. And so faith is an additional power of spiritual sight, or rather insight. It brings an interior conviction about the reality and a new appreciation of the significance of spiritual truths. One who believes finds that these truths impress him ever more deeply. Faith is not, as Luther said, mere trust in the fidelity of God to keep his promises. St. Paul described it as evidence and speaks of faith as bringing into captivity every understanding into the obedience of Christ. So point five, we are to believe, and point six, most firmly. It is to be expected that many of the things which God reveals are beyond reason. Nature is full of mysteries. The seed, for instance, falling to the ground and in a few years growing into a great tree, and it is certainly as reasonable to expect mysteries in religion as it is to expect them in nature or physical science. Indeed, if religion had no mysteries and were perfectly and fully comprehensible, its divine origin would be open to suspicion. What can be fully proved from reason might well have been discovered by reason. Belief in mysteries tends vastly to increase our reverence for God. God has said, this is my little aside here, God has said in Scripture, you think you thought I was such a one as you, but I am not. We cannot fully understand God or we would be God. Canon Ripley says, when a child is afraid to go out in the dark, its father says, give me your hand and come with me. The child is satisfied. It does not ask for a scientific explanation of the darkness. <clears throat> so we ought not to wish to understand the impenetrable mysteries of God. He is love, wisdom, and goodness. We put our hand in his, knowing he cannot lead us astray. And then point seven, we choose to believe reasonably, seven, all that God has revealed, all. 
it is the fashion nowadays, and Ken Ripley wrote this a couple hundred years ago, it is the fashion nowadays outside the Catholic Church to pick and choose one's beliefs. I would say it's the fashion nowadays inside the Catholic Church to choose and pick one's, one's beliefs. But if you do that, you are Protestant, you are not Catholic. Canon Ripley says all of God's revelation must be accepted, all of it. Any other course is unreasonable. The Catholic Church never panders to the fashion of the moment in the beliefs she demands of her children. <clears throat> she stands always by what reason proves to be divine revelation, and from it she will never deviate by one hair's breadth. Point eight, because God knows the truth and could not tell a lie. He is all truth, and so we must believe all he has chosen to reveal. Thus, a Catholic's faith should be entire, that is, it must embrace every article of faith without exception. I don't say, now my little uh, comment, that we need to understand every article of faith yet. We're going to spend a lifetime learning, but we must embrace it because it is taught not by um, mere men, but by our Lord himself. The Catholic faith should be entire and then firm. That is, it is not accepted as one would accept a mere opinion, but as one believing on absolute certainty without hesitation. It is steadfast. It must be. Faith is accepted in spite of all difficulties and opposition and at the cost of any sacrifice. It is living, faith is active and effectual and the basis of life, and finally, it is supernatural. Faith has God as its source, its end, and its motive. In order, he continues now, speaking of converts, in order to dispose himself for the reception of the gift of faith, the convert should strive to especially should strive especially after the following number 1 prayerfulness prayerfulness and he quotes James but if any of you want wisdom let him ask of god who giveth to all men abundantly and upbraideth not and it shall be given him prayer he says is necessary in order to obtain the gift of faith but faith is not necessary for prayer. The latter is the act of a rational being who knows by pure reason that he is a creature of a supreme being on whom he is entirely dependent. Particularly during the period of instruction, the convert must pray for the gift of faith. We must pray, dear ones. There's the music for our break. And you are welcome to call in anytime at all during this hour. Anytime at all, dear ones. The toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
Are you holding on to an old car or truck because you think dealers won't want it? Then consider donating it to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. This is a great way to turn your unvalued vehicle into a powerful gift for Catholic Radio. You'll be taking part in our evangelization efforts to continue spreading Christ's love throughout the world. Our Lord uses Catholic Radio to draw more people to Himself, and one of the best ways to support the Station of the Cross is by contributing to our vehicle donation program. The process is safe and simple. Your generosity will greatly benefit our mission to bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners. To find out more or to donate your vehicle today, visit thestationofthecross.com or call 1-866-628-CARS. That's the stationofthecross.com or 1-866-628-2277. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. Help bring many more people closer to our Lord by letting them know about Catholic Radio. One of the simplest ways to promote Catholic Radio is by displaying a bumper magnet on your car. Order your free bumper magnets at thestationofthecross.com. We'd be happy to send bumper magnets for your listening area so that others can come to know the Lord. That's thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for sharing Catholic Radio on the road. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. And I want to mention that you are welcome to call in any time during this hour, toll free at one 511 5483 You may text at that number as well, or uh, email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. Hold on just a moment. Um, <clears throat> we have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Mother, can you please explain what the church teaches about the death penalty? It confuses me because in the Bible there is mention of people being put to death for various offenses. However, it seems like the church would actually discourage this in modern day. <clears throat> As the commandments clearly state, thou shalt not kill. So I am wondering which direction the church leans on this matter. Is the death penalty ever okay, even for the most serious offenses? Um, I want to make a difference in God's commandments to us, we shall not kill, versus um, his commandments to his Hebrew people in the Old Testament and the church's teaching on the death penalty in the New Covenant. Let me read with this a second email um, from Harlan in Cooperstown, New York. 
Harlan writes, greetings, Mother Miriam. I really appreciate watching your YouTube videos and your appearances on EWTN television. Thanks, Harlan. I agree with what you said, that it is right to criticize some of Pope Francis's actions, such as putting barriers to the celebration of the traditional Latin Mass, but that we should not speak of him personally in a derogatory manner. Very good, Harlan. I'm, I'm pleased with that. Thank you. Harlan says, like you, I am a Jewish Catholic. Oh, blessed be God. We are in good company. Mary, Joseph, John the Baptist, all the apostles, Paul, and of course, Jesus himself. We're all Jewish Catholics. Well, I don't don't know if we should call Jesus a Jewish Catholic. That's very funny. Um, I'll just tell you a little story of a woman that I once, uh, uh, who was Jewish, and I was explaining the situation to her and that Jesus celebrated the Passover. And I, and she said, well, why would he do that? I said, because he was Jewish. Her name was Molly. Jewish Molly. And she said, I know, but he converted. It's just hysterical to me. Jesus converted to the Catholic faith. No, 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 no. Okay, let me see now. Um, <clears throat> I left off with Harlan. Um, A devout traditional Catholic lady led me back first to God the Father and then to Jesus and the Holy Ghost. That's so beautiful. I was baptized in June of last year. Welcome home, Carlin, to the fulfillment of Judaism. You can't be a greater Jew than to be a Catholic um, and, and to be at home in the Jewish Messiah and the church he founded on earth. Harlan says... Um, it has very much changed me for the good, and I have become a better person, a religious person, and a happier person. I can ditto that for me, Harlan. He said, I grew up as a Reformed Jew, but my early, um, my early 20s, I realized that I could not find God in Reformed Judaism, so I left. Fifty years later, as a Catholic, I found my path to bring to being with God. Interesting that this has also brought me closer to my Jewish heritage. I well understand that. And I have become more aware of the Jewish roots of Christianity. Very, very beautiful. Um, And I just want to make mention, Harlan, of the Association of Hebrew Catholics that my brother David heads. Association of Hebrew Catholics, if you're not aware of it, you can find it on the internet at hebrewcatholic.net. One word, HebrewCatholic.net. Harlan says, I want to comment on your recent YouTube video, Do Jews Believe in Purgatory? First, you said that Jews believe in purgatory as it is referred to in 2 Maccabees chapter 12. No question. I wanted to tell you that the book of Maccabees is not in the Hebrew Bible. I, I Yes, I know. Therefore, it is quite unlikely that many Jews know of that reference. Yes, that's right. The book, and that's why it's not in the Protestant Bible, because uh, after 1,500 years, Martin Luther removed from the Catholic Bible what the Jews did not think is authentic in their Jewish Bible. Um, and the reason is that they um, could not find those books in their original Hebrew, and they didn't trust them. Harlan continues, the book of Maccabees is in the Catholic Bible, it it always was, um, which is very fortunate, otherwise this part of history of the Jews would have been lost. The book of Maccabees describes when the Jews took back the temple and removed the foreigners from the land of Judea. 
even though this is an important event in Jewish history occurring in 165 BC, it was not included in the Hebrew Bible when it was canonized in 90 AD. Again, 90 AD is after the destruction of the Jewish temple when the um, Jews who did not believe in Jesus as Messiah rejected the Jews who did and rejected um, those writings for which they didn't have a Hebrew original. Harlan says, however, you are correct that purgatory is part of Judaism. It, it, it is. We, our whole life, I, I think I grew up maybe in a bit more in my younger years of conservative Judaism. And my mom, we always li- lit what we call yurtzeit candles. We lit candles every year for the dead. Hold on just a moment. <coughs> I'm waiting to see if they come in twos and threes. Um, we always lit candles for the dead. What would have been the purpose of praying for the dead if there was no purgatory? Um, However, uh, let me see now. However, you are correct that purgatory is part of Judaism and is believed in by Jews who know the Jewish tradition. That's right. Hence, purgatory is not original to Christianity. Uh, Harlan, nothing's original to Christianity. Nothing is authentically Catholic that doesn't have its roots in the Old Covenant. Nothing. Now, it doesn't have its roots in the Judaism of today, that is following 90 AD, uh, following the death and resurrection of Christ, but it has its roots in the Old Covenant. Um, so he says, uh, Harlan says, hence purgatory is not original to Christianity, but comes from the Jewish roots of Christianity. The Hebrew words for purgatory are Gehenon, Sheol, um, Gehenom, and um, Topheth. These are referred to in Second Chronicles, First Kings, Jeremiah, and Isaiah. These Hebrew words refer to names of the place in the afterlife where unrepentant souls are cleansed of their spiritual impurities before they could be able to return to the presence of God. Well, that's I'm not that's not too clear. Um, if someone dies and they're unrepentant, um, I don't know that they will be in the presence of God. Um, Please keep, he says, please keep making videos and appearing on EWTN. I'm sure that many Catholics appreciate your wisdom, spirituality, and strength as I do. Um, In Pax Christi, in the peace of Christ, Harlan David Peter Alpern, I love your name, Cooperstown, New York. Um, Harlan, dear one, I love your email. And um, for some reason, I I, uh, had... Uh, misunderstood that you were also asking about the death penalty, which you were not. So I'm going to go back now and answer uh, the the email I wrote above it. Mother, can you please explain what the church teaches about the death penalty? It confuses me because in the Bible there is mention of people being put to death for various offenses. However, it seems like the church would actually discourage this in modern day as the commandments clearly state, thou shalt not kill. Um, so I'm wondering, well, in the old days, thou shalt not kill is, is the law of God given to the Hebrew people through Moses in the book of Exodus, right from the beginning, in the old covenant. 
And so anonymous writes, I'm wondering which direction the church leans on this matter. Is the death penalty ever okay, even for the most serious offenses? Um, There's a lot of confusion on this, um, dear one. I've looked up a number of sites on it, and there is confusion on this. Um, Let me see now. Um, I'm going to, there's an article on Catholic.com titled, Did the Church Change Its Teaching on the Death Penalty? And that is because Pope Francis did change the teaching. Um, And this uh, author, who is Christopher Kazor, or Kaxor, says, it is clear that for the purposes of punishment to be achieved, the nature and extent of the punishment must be carefully evaluated and decided upon, and the state ought not to go to the extreme of executing the offender, except in cases of absolute necessity. In other words, when it would not be possible otherwise to defend society. Today, however, as a result of steady improvements in the organization of the penal system, such cases are very rare, if not practically non-existent. That's from um, Pope John, Saint Pope John Paul II in Evangelium Vitae. Um, they're also uh, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Um, let me just... Um, I'm not going to read this entire article. Um, it has not changed... Uh, let me just see if I can. Um, in Evangelium um, Vitae, um, the Gospel of Life, God, John Paul teaches that both defense of society and retribution are necessary for the legitimate exercise of capital punishment, and neither alone suffices. This teaching does not reverse any previous church teaching, since no previous church teaching had addressed the question of the relationship among the various purposes of punishment in the case of the death penalty. The contemporary Catholic teaching on the death penalty is not a simple rejection of traditional Catholic teaching on the topic, but it does substantially deepen the Church's perennial dedication to the dignity of the human person and the common good of society. Um, I'd have to... um, I would just need to read through this entire article on catholic.com and other sites uh, to gain much clarity on that. Um, uh, Let me see. Uh, John Paul retains the traditional, this is for purposes of punishment, the death penalty. It's important to note that John Paul retains the traditional four purposes of punishment articulated in traditional Catholic teaching, retribution, defense of society, deterrence, and rehabilitation. Um, I would say, um, just in general, without spending too much time, um, that if uh, society cannot be protected from a murderer, um, for the sake of society, for defense of of other lives, he must be put to death. I, I, I would look up other articles as well on the death penalty to get more clarity. There is our 
music for our second break. Our lines are open, dear ones. We'll have an entire half hour to ourselves, and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart, toll free, 1-877-511-5483. We'll be right back. the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. It just really connected me to my faith. I always considered myself 100% Catholic, but didn't really realize that I wasn't fully practicing my faith, so I learned so much through the Station of the Cross and began just getting deeper in my prayers and feeling just so much closer to God and so well-versed in learning more about the Bible and more about what actually it means to be Catholic. So it became very, very important to me, and I listen to the radio station daily, and I absolutely love it. I make it a regular practice of donating every time they have their their fundraising and just love it and wouldn't want it to ever go away. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give. I learned so much through the Station Nuns Cross. I listen to the radio station daily and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places like that and through your programs I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the Station of the Cross. Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. And uh, we have a half hour to ourselves. You are welcome to call in, dear ones, with anything at all on your heart. Toll free one eight seven seven. Let me see now five one one five four eight three. You may email or text at that, uh, rather text at that number and email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. I um, took a look at um, the current uh, clarity on the death penalty. Um, and um, there's an article published by Father Brian Malady in the um, National Catholic Register, and it's how to understand. This is this is reliable. How to understand the death penalty and development of doctrine. Um, and he says one must respect the right of Rome to seek to abolish the death penalty. But one may also disagree as to whether this is a homogeneous. Um, homogeneous development of doctrine or merely a debate about circumstantial application of that doctrine. 
recent developments in Rome, this is two years ago, when the Pope made this change, recent developments in Rome on the subject of capital punishment have led to many anguished discussions on whether a change authorized by Pope Francis in the moral stance of the Church on the death penalty is a development of Church teaching which binds people in conscience to obedience. On August 8, 2018, Cardinal Louis Lederia, the head of the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, stated that Pope Francis had approved a change in number 2267 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Quote, recourse to the death penalty on the part of legitimate authority following a fair trial was long considered an appropriate response to the gravity of certain crimes and an acceptable, albeit extreme, means of safeguarding the common good. This is still quoting. Um, Today, however, there is an increasing awareness that the dignity of the person is not lost even after the commission of a very serious of very serious crimes. In addition, a new understanding has emerged of the significance of penal sanctions imposed by the state. Lastly, more effective systems of detention have been developed <clears throat> which ensure a due protection of citizens, but at the same time do not definitively deprive the guilty of the possibility of redemption. Consequently, the Church teaches in the light of the Gospel that the death penalty is inadmissible because it is an attack on the inviolability and dignity of the person, and she works with determination for its abolition worldwide. End quote. Cardinal Ladaria maintained that since the Church has always upheld the right of the state to punish with the death penalty, this was a development of doctrine, and Father Miller says, was he right? He continues, it must be stated at the outset that whether something is a development of doctrine is a theological opinion, not revealed truth. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. It must be stated <clears throat> at the outset that whether something is a development of doctrine Whether something is a development of doctrine is a theological opinion, not revealed truth, before any judgment can be made about whether a specific teaching is a true development of doctrine, it would be good to clarify what the term development or evolution of dogma means according to the mind of the church. <clears throat> and I'm going to mention here that Cardinal John Henry Newman uh, venerable now. I well, no, I think he's a saint now. I, I have to update myself on that. Um, his book titled The Development of Doctrine had a huge impact on my coming into the Catholic Church. In fact, when he wrote it, he wasn't Catholic. When he finished it, he was. <laughs> um, what separates uh, a true growth from a false growth? Growth. The Catechism of the Catholic Church topically treats the idea of doctrinal development as part of the growth of the Catholic Church in its understanding of the faith. After proclaiming that faith is a response to the supernatural knowledge communicated to the Church through revelation, 
the Catechism rightly states that the two sources of this revelation are the Word of God as spoken, which is tradition, and the Word of God as written, which is Scripture. The agency that Christ himself chose to interpret and faithfully hand on revelation is the magisterium of the Pope and the bishops. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm taking a little time with this because many people are confused by this, and, and I, I can't blame anybody for being confused. The Catechism states, quote, In the supremely wise arrangement of God, sacred tradition, sac- excuse me, sacred tradition, sacred scripture, and the magisterium of the church are so connected and associated that one of them ca- cannot stand without the others. Working together, each in its own way, under the action of the one Holy Spirit, they all contribute effectively to the salvation of souls. Under the heading Traditional Development, the clearest patristic source for the idea of development of doctrine is Vincent of Larens in his um, writing titled Instructions. Vincent explains... that there is a development in religion. Development, Vincent says, means that each thing expands to be itself, while alteration means that a thing is changed from one thing to another. I'll repeat that. Development means that each thing expands to be itself, just like a proper analogy, just like we do. We're born a single, total human being. Uh, we're in our mother's room for, womb from the moment of conception as a complete human being. But that human being develops into full maturity. So it is with the development of doctrine. Each thing expands to, to be itself, while alteration means that a thing is changed from one thing to another. Though the church understands and applies the teaching of Christ, Vincent says, never are such applications an alteration, but an expansion, quote, only only along its own line of development, that is, with the same doctrine, the same meaning, and the same import, soul, end quote, souls develop in the same way as bodies, which may grow, but remain what they were. He clearly states, quote, the doctrine of the Christian religion should properly follow these laws of development, that is, by becoming firmer over the years, more ample in the course of time, excuse me for these hiccups, more exalted as it advances, advances in age. This sort of growth in the church is known as homogenous and not and not heterogeneous development. A future understanding of the faith cannot contradict but only expand on a for, former one. If this teaching expands our understanding, it is homogenous. If it contradicts it, it is heterogeneous. 
heterogeneous. Catholicism, dear ones, I'm taking time for this because it's, it's quite important, not just in the matter of the death penalty, but to understand the true development of doctrine and the teaching of the church, that which is infallible and may not be changed, and that which is opinion. Father Miller goes on to say Catholicism has never supported the idea of progressive revelation. Never supported that. Since I'm Catholic, and even before I'm Catholic, dear ones, um, I've read articles saying, well, we understand more now than the apostles did who wrote the, who, uh, through whom the scriptures were written. So we can, no, 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 no. It was given by God. We don't understand more than God. So there's no progressive revelation. Revelation ceased, this is my own comment, with the last apostle. There's no further revelation. There's a development of doctrine and understanding, but it must remain what it was. So again, Catholicism has never supported the idea of progressive revelation, which can change from age to age or country to country and is culturally conditioned. Christ is the prime revealer and prime revelation, and the church's magisterium is his servant, not culture's servant. I'm so glad Father Miller said that, dear ones, because the church today is acting through its hierarchy and many prelates as culture's servant. Um, We are in the world to transform the world and bring it to Christ. And instead, we are adapting to the world and destroying the faith and the salvation of many. Father Miller continues, while the Pope or any of the faithful may have insights into the teaching of the Church, the formal revelation that Christ came to make on earth concluded with the death of the Twelve Apostles. There's no further revelation, dear ones, not at all. There's such a thing as private revelation, which must be approved by the Church, but it it must not contradict any article of faith. Father continues, whatever progressive understanding of the faith may occur through the centuries in councils or papal teachings cannot add one iota to the faith of the apostles, nor contradict it. So we say, dear ones, there's so much coming out of uh, um, the Vatican and bishops and all sorts of situations. We don't know what to believe. Well, we, we do know what to believe. We look at the faith of the church, the faith once delivered to the saints. If it contradicts it, it's false, no matter who proclaims it. Father Miller says, there cannot be seven sacraments taught in one age or culture and two in another, and both teachings willed by Christ. As Vincent of Larence concludes, it would be very wrong and unfitting if we, their descendants, that is, the descendants of the ancient, ancients in the church, were to reap not the genuine wheat of truth, but the intrusive growth of error. That's a good statement. It would be very wrong and unfitting if we, the descendants of the ancients in the church, were to reap not the genuine wheat of truth, but the intrusive growth of error. 
He says, if this is true of dogmatic truth, it is also true of moral truth. After Vatican II, there was a new modernistic criterion established that was based on the denial of a common objective a common objective nature in man as the source for moral truth and the embracing of a new theory that moral teaching has changed according to the culture over the centuries. It has not, beloved. Moral teaching is is from God. It's the law of God placed on our hearts. And what the Ten Commandments are is the law of God in our hearts, Romans chapter 2, simply written in stone. The moral law is God's law, and it cannot change any more than God can change. We'll be back uh, after the break, beloved. I have about 10 minutes in our last segment. And again, you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Uh, toll free one 511 5483 Text at that number or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show. Weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. That's the Catholic Drive Time. Weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. We look forward to joining you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. Praise be to Jesus. May God love you. The Station of the Cross is listener-funded, and we value your ongoing generosity. In this fast-paced world, it's easy to let your reoccurring donation slip due to something like a new address or a necessary card number change for security purposes. If you suspect that we don't have your up-to-date donor information, you can check with us during regular business hours at 1-877-888-6279, extension 104, or anytime online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have about 10 minutes, and our lines are open for your calls at 1-877-511-5483. Text at that number or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have John from Kentucky on the line. Hi, dear brother. Good morning, Mother Miriam. Good morning, good morning. Um, I was really happy that you um, stayed on and, and, and uh, you know, longer on the death penalty. That was very interesting and it's what I think, too. So Good. thank you for that. Um, I, I didn't have to be any uh, prophetic, but for years and years, I've been trying to warn Catholics, and I know you do, too, to warn Catholics about when... Uh, Roe v. Wade is overturned. Mm-hmm. And I've also said for many years that just wait if all the Supreme Court justices are Catholic. And they kind of look at me, you know, and they're happy about it and so on. But I think a lot of people in the pro-life movement are emotional. This is really real and it's actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that Catholics need to prepare themselves because if it's not violent, I'm going to be so surprised. Oh, I, I agree that, with you. They're already I planning Catholic, violence all over the country. That's right. Yeah, and, and when when this leak came out, they said, well, see, it wasn't that violent. Um, but it's kind of like getting a, the results of a CT scan. They say, oh, you might have cancer, and you think, well, okay, okay, and you kind of wait, and then the results come in, and it's cancer. You go, wow, that's mm-hmm. a reality, and that's, that's, what's going to, that's what's going to happen. One of, my daughters has, one of my daughters has eight children, and I think I'm going to warn her not to go out in public with all the kids by herself because mm-hmm. they're going to know exactly what she's all about but i'm you know i'm just trying to warn people because this is real and it's gonna happen any day so i hope that you and your sisters are safe and i'm going to try to keep my family safe but yes everybody be prepared I absolutely agree and your daughter has eight children i blessed be god um, and I, I wouldn't want to stop her from going out as a witness, no, I don't. but I wouldn't mm-hmm. want violence to hit them. So I'm with you all the way. I think um, the um, I, I also have seen the news reports that the country is preparing for violence if um, uh, Roe v. Wade is overturned. So I, I understand that we just need to pray for the blindness of this culture, pray for their salvation. And we we and pray for the governors of each state that um, some states will forbid abortion altogether, and others, uh, as is already happening, uh, will will say everybody come here if they want to kill their children, you know. So and and as you as you I'm sure know also, John, that major corporations, even Amazon and others, are giving people hundreds of dollars to. Uh, take a flight to another state and have an abortion. It's insane. It's insane. We are a... Uh, uh, I, I keep thinking of our Lord's words, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? Um, it's it's getting very bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I'm off now. All right. No, you're you. not off. You're not off. But I thank you for calling, well, dear. Did you have another point? Well, I'm, I'm one of the biggest things about me is that 
what I think is that um, they're going to they're going to rightfully so point the finger right at the Catholic Church. I of think course. the Catholic Church is more in more danger That's right. of violence than anybody walking the face of the earth. So. Yep. That's right. Everything, anyone that stands for God, for Christ, for morality, for truth, for life, they are the enemy. There's no question, John. God bless you. And everyone listening, don't you compromise the truth or your faith one iota. Don't you do that. And don't hide too much. We need to get the word out of well, I'm not going to hide. I know it, John. I hear, I hear you. All right. Bless my you, love. sister. Thank you, my dear brother. Bless you. All right, we had a we have a um, comment on Facebook from Michelle on the death penalty, and she says one positive thing about the death penalty is that the one being sentenced to death knows his time is near, and so knowing this may urge him to really reflect on his life, and by doing so, he may hopefully have a change of heart that leads him to repentance, receiving extreme unction, confession included. Oh, Michelle, that would be our prayer and our hope. Absolutely. You know, each one of us, we always think we have time. Um, but when we know we don't, um, we do everything we can to, to hopefully to try to repent if we're not uh, incredibly hardened sinners. Um, so that, that, is, that is a good thing. Um, what I'd like to uh, just do at this point is um, <clears throat> continue with the article by Father Frederick Miller on the death penalty. I'm taking time with this because it's, it's so important and has been such a source of confusion for people. Um, Father Frederick uh, Miller continues, he says, as for the idea that culture is a part of the method of teaching moral theology, one can admit this as part of reason which examines human nature. Some of the norms of the natural law, for example, things which have to do with property rights and families, can be culturally conditioned. But to maintain this of every moral norm is certainly contrary to the traditional teaching on the natural law and to common sense. Why would the Holy Spirit reveal commandments to which every human choice is a possible exception? <clears throat> In the context of Catholic doctrine, to say culture is necessary to analyze moral norms, especially about things which are intrinsically evil, would fly in the face of the teaching of John Paul II in Veritatis Splendor, in which he wrote, quote, Consequently, respect for moral norms which prohibit such intrinsically evil acts and oblige... Um, a semper et pro semper, that is, without any exception, not only does not inhibit a good intention, but actually represents its basic expression. That's from Veritatis Splendor. I'm not going to take time to unpack these things because we have just a few minutes, um, and I, I'd like to get to the end of this article if I can. Circumstances of a given age may broaden our understanding of moral truth, but they cannot make what was always an intrinsically good or evil moral act its opposite. So today, members of the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith maintain that the change wrought in the Catechism concerning capital punishment is a genuine development of doctrine caused by a better grasp 
of the dignity of the human person in modern society. If the Pope and the CDF wish to pursue the abolition of the death penalty on circumstantial grounds, that is fine. However, one may legitimately disagree with them as to the prudential nature of this pursuit. Cardinal Ratzinger expressed this fact when he was head of the CDF in a letter to the U.S. Bishops Conference, and he said this, quote, not all moral issues have the same moral weight as abortion and euthanasia. For example, if a Catholic were at odds with the Holy Father on the application of capital punishment or on a decision of wage to wage war, he would not for that reason be considered unworthy to present himself to receive Holy Communion. Um, Oh, well, um, we're almost at the end of this article. We have a paragraph and a half left there once. Um, You can go at this point uh, to the uh, NC Register because it was published in the National Catholic Register, ncregister.com, on how to understand the death penalty and development of doctrine by Father Brian uh, Milady. He's a Dominican and a very holy, wonderful priest. God bless you, dear ones. And God willing, we'll speak with you all tomorrow. Keep the faith and be a saint.